Hi, this is Josh, the host and creator of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Ahead, you're going to hear a variety of voices talking about the different ways and areas enjoyment shows up in our lives. Joy is a powerful energy, and I was curious what kinds of conversations could come from examining it. I hope you enjoy listening, and now here is Enjoyment, the podcast. Hey everyone, it's Josh here, and I hope you are staying safe and healthy and sane during these unique times we're all going through together. I got a special episode today, branching out from the usual conversation with dads about the joy of fatherhood. And today I'm speaking to a wonderful singer-songwriter out of Canada, Chrissy Cochran, and about the joys of, of writing, making music. You know, the goal of this show has always been to explore and celebrate the diverse ways that joy shows up. Talking to these different voices helps me see all these different ways that it shows up in my life and others. Hopefully uh, inspires you to see all the multitude ways joys can show up. And even uh, in this time, I'm finding myself really enjoying the video chats with long-time friends that I normally don't ever talk to. Because of what's going on, everyone's home, everyone's craving contact, and so I'm fine. Everyone's up for video chatting together, and it's been just such a delight to catch up with friends and to hang out this way, and I'm even hopeful that long past this pandemic will keep this going because it's been lighting my heart up. Anyways, keep hunting and searching for your joys, hopefully keep being inspired and listening to that heart of yours, follow its wisdom. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Yeah, my name is Chrissy Cochran. I'm a pop, jazz, soul, singer-songwriter, and I live in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. I am 30 years old, and I have been making music publicly since I was about 15, so done a lot of shows and I've put out a couple of albums. I used to live on the east coast of Canada. That's where I grew up and where I kind of got my feet wet in the music industry. And then 10 years ago, I traveled to Windsor, Ontario for the first time. It's directly across the border from Detroit, Michigan. I knew I always wanted to live in Ontario, so I just found a way to export myself here and have been very happy making music and making a living here ever since. Well, I'm a Midwest guy, born and bred just outside Chicago. So I have a little sense of that part of the world. But yeah, so I am very curious about your joy in music, making, creating, performing. I imagine there's many different facets. You know, there's sort of the inspiration phase where you just hear lyrics, hear melodies, Mm -hmm. and that then leads to perhaps a creation phase And then there's probably the recording phase and then there's the performing and then even the marketing business side. Mm -hmm. Did I do a good job of big picture? And is there any other sort of? Yeah, I feel like that covers a lot of it. I mean, you know, the marketing can be so many different things, but I think in a nutshell, you've got everything pretty exact. 
I had just written down like the completion of the songs themselves. I didn't, I didn't even think about the collecting of the ideas that go into them, but there's absolutely joy in that and, and finding things that you think are noteworthy and that you're excited about sharing with people and finally coming to the point of sitting down and working on it is so satisfying, especially now that, you know, I'm, I'm a mother of a toddler. So to be able to have the time to just work on music and focus is such a treat these days. So I get really excited about anything music related that I can just focus on for, you know, an hour or two. It's amazing. We'll start there. Like, you know, your heart lights up just in touching music. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think maybe it even begins with listening to other music because I think that's what really motivates me to make music is when I hear something that sounds so inspired and beautiful and original, it makes me think, oh, I wish I could do something like that. And that strange spark of enjoyment and also almost, I don't think jealousy is quite the right word, but it's sort of, it's like an ambition or a drive that you want to make something like that. And then going through your daily life and kind of collecting more ideas and how you want to do something that's like that, but not the same. You can't just redo what's already been done. You have to add a new element to it. And maybe for me, that might be something like taking inspiration from my daughter. There's a song that I'm working on for her. It's called, uh, tentatively, I'm, I'm calling it, I Can Always Find You in the Dark. And I got that idea just from, you know, when she cries out to me in the middle of the night, I originally wanted to get a lamp for her bedroom so that I could, you know, turn it on and find her. But I don't I don't need a lamp to find her in the dark, you know, mm -hmm. and just starting with this really basic, easy concept and thinking, how can I age this concept? So maybe in the second verse, you know, she's older now and maybe she's in college or something and she's struggling and having a difficult time. And that message comes back of I can always find you in the dark. And now we're talking more about like a spiritual darkness or an emotional or mental darkness. And as I'm coming up with this idea, too, I'm thinking this sounds good. Like I'm in the thick of creating something and now I feel like I'm really on the right track. I think that's almost as good as the feeling of finishing something when you know that it's happening is just such a, a relief to know that your effort is working. As I was getting towards the end of the end of the lyrics for the song, I was thinking, maybe I can talk about, you know, when we are parted one day when one of us, hopefully me, dies, and then we can meet again in the afterlife. I can always find you in the dark. Coming to the end of a song like that and feeling like, ah, oh, I got everything I wanted to say out. It's such such a joy, a satisfaction that I don't find anywhere else really. I mean the first time that I was really getting into songwriting, I was just a teenager and I knew right away that this satisfaction is greater to me than acquiring material things or having a particular job of status or wealth. Like I just, I wanted to keep chasing that feeling of creating something and feeling satisfied with what I'm putting out into the world. First of all, that song sounds beautiful and I look forward to hearing it. You know, I love diving deep into these things. So is it, the unique expression that's joyful? Is it the finding your voice? Is it something I'm not even catching? You know, it's hard because when you're in the moment, there's so many, there can be so many different distractions, I guess. And sometimes you don't have the luxury of being able to finish writing the song. So when it feels like it's it's flowing and the music is a part of you and it's all around you and you're creating the music while it lasts, it's like a spiritual place that you go to that it becomes like this vignette in your life that you constantly want to revisit and say like this moment that I was sitting in this window with this chair and this book and the sun was coming down and it just feels like, ah, 
like one of the greatest moments in life as a songwriter is how I feel just caught in the joy of making something so exciting and and wondering about the promise of this new song. I mean, what opportunities might this bring? What are people going to feel when they hear it? I am trying to capture my own vision and and, and sort of honor my own creative voice. But at the same time, you know, I'm always writing songs with the end goal of it being something that I would want to share with people and hoping that it becomes a part of the fabric of their life in some way. I love that when songs are finally recorded and released and, you know, it's such a big journey to get them to that point of being out into the world. It's like they go out and have a life of their own and they end up being the soundtrack to so many moments in people's lives, just playing in the background in a cafe somewhere. And you never get to know how these songs are heard. It's just like a a wonderful mystery of life to create these things and not know what their end destination is going to be. So in the moment of making it, it just feels like so much potential, so many doors are opening and and to feel so much satisfaction too about how things are are shaping up. There's so many different emotions that go through you when you're writing something and really enjoying it. Mm. Again, it's beautiful hearing you talk about it. I think there's a complication sometimes in talking about joy because there are like we all know the feeling, but it's hard to ration it into words. Yeah. Spiritual, I think, is I love that you introduced that, that it's this yeah. just spiritual experience and potential. It gives me kind of goosebumps just hearing you talk about it and <laughs> and tingles my spine, um, which is delightful, you know. And you've been doing this, you said, since 15. Like, has that been a secret feel of it the whole time like I don't yeah. know I mean I, yeah like I, I feel like I'm, I am chasing that feeling every time I'm writing a song I don't always get there you know sometimes maybe even you're working on a, a subject matter that's more complex and it's not so much about I guess it's easy to feel caught up in joy when you're writing something that feels loving but if you're writing something about a more complex kind of interpersonal drama sometimes you're left with a feeling of like wow, this is really powerful, but I'm not sure how people are going to take it. Not every song ends up being that spiritual or that magical right away. You kind of have to wait and sort of see, you know, what's the reaction to this kind of song going to be? Is there a seduction there that makes it harder to find joy during the the creating process? Well, I'm someone who has been motivated by darkness and trying to take moments of, or not even moments, but like, you know, long-term mindsets of negativity and trying to twist them into something artful. So I feel like there's still like a joy in it, but it's it doesn't feel like such a, a pure or holy joy. It almost feels dark and twisted and like, I don't know how to describe it. There's like a power in it, like a dark power that can sometimes be harnessed for good. I, I do feel like negativity, I think, has a lot of value and a lot of purpose in our lives and that it points out things that need to be changed. There's sort of like a healthy negativity and an unhealthy negativity. So it's the balance of trying to find the right one, I think. Songwriting just feels like a perfect vehicle to try and explore that, especially because I think a lot of songwriters, we tend to use our craft as our own kind of therapy. If there's something that's troubling us in our lives, we're going to use our craft to dissect it. And sometimes things will come out of you that you didn't even know were really on your mind, I guess. It just becomes like a strange safe space for exploring all these different facets of your life, not just joy, but the hardships. And maybe in working through those things, you eventually lead on a path to joy, but it's, yeah, more of a a long-term kind of learning and growing thing that you're doing as you're writing a song as well. 
in many ways, there's still, I'm careful about calling it like a positive experience because I don't want, exactly, I don't want to paint our negative experiences as stay away from them. But there's this, right. maybe it's kind of like a heart or a healingness of like there's power in coming into truth and facing things yeah. and alchemy, you know, transforming things mm-hmm. and and even joy and like resiliency. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, there's a couple of songs that come to mind when you when we go into this topic as well, because I put it a record at the end of February and there are some songs on it that are in this vein. They're quite complicated and moody and as I mentioned, I was writing songs very much inspired by darkness for a long time, and it took a long time to realize that that wasn't really working out for me. And so the songs on this album are sort of my response to that. And and so I'm talking about things that are troubling me, but I'm coming at them from a perspective of resilience and just feeling powerful and strong, whereas before on you know the, the record I put out when I was 24, I was approaching my negativity from a place of like hopelessness and self-doubt even like all of my album names used to be really self-doubting things like I had one called pretty all right (laughs) like it's good enough it's pretty all right (laughs) and my last record was called little sway which was kind of like a sonic descriptor because it was like my first album that had like swing and groove to it but also when you hear little sway like as a phrase that means like you know no power no influence kind of thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's funny how much that became like ingrained in the music that I was making for a long time you said you were thinking of some specific songs. Do you want to name one? And, and... Hmm. Um, the first one that comes to mind is a song called Get Out. This is my home, so get out. Get out, don't want to hear no more about what I've done wrong by you. Because your true love ain't so true. I tried to please, got down. So you can kind of sense right away that we're banishing a negative influence with this song. A lot of songwriters, what we'll do is we'll take sort of like the kernel of an idea that comes from our own personal experience, and then we'll dramatize that. And we'll use that little bit of insight we have into that feeling and kind of create a situation that didn't necessarily happen to us in real life. So the song Get Out It sounds like a very physical confrontation where I am telling someone, you know, get out. I don't want to hear anything more about what I've done wrong by you. You know, your true love isn't so true. I tried to please, got down on my hands and knees. Now it's time for you to get out. And the funny thing is that I I actually wrote that song about um, an email that I got (laughs) that felt very antagonistic. And my phone did that thing where it had died. So it wasn't telling me who was texting me or calling me. And I just like an unknown number popped up on my phone. And I was like, oh, my God, is this person who is emailing me? Are they now calling me to tell me off? And I just felt so threatened. And I was like, oh, my God, don't call me. So instead of answering the phone, I, I went into my little workroom and I, I wrote get out instead. <laughs> well, I started to jump in, but I imagine that's like such a what a delight when something hard shows up to turn towards a creative outlet or to write a song about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just can only imagine that that must be an incredible 
That's true. I didn't even think of it that way because I, I guess a lot of the time, you know, when a negative situation happens, you're not really in a position to just immediately pick up an instrument and work on it. But it just happened that I was in the right place at the right time. And I was like, I'm going to exercise this feeling with my guitar right now. Is there a learning from that when you transform the experience or put it into a song? Like, is there a learning about your own life? Is there a learning about joy? Is there a learning... Well, I mean, right away, I get to take a step back from the situation and kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it, obviously, as I'm writing the song, but I'm not thinking about it in the way that I would be if I were stewing on this and just worrying. Being able to make music at the same time, it, it feels like a bit of a break from the problem itself, even though I'm dealing with it, which is super strange. And then when I finally do come out of it, I, you know, I have that satisfaction of I took this really negative thing that was happening and I made something really powerful out of it. Because it, it has such a physical aspect in the song, it feels like a bit of an, not, I wouldn't say like an anthem, but it has like a power to it that I, I hope someone out there who needs to hear it will pick up on. And now that I've had this song in my life for a few years, there have been situations that have arisen that now I think of when I play that song. When I'm playing the songs, I like to try and focus on the reasons why I was writing them rather than just focusing on like, you know, the technique of performing them and pulling them off. I feel like it's easier to do that if I think about the thing itself that motivated the song. So when I play that song, I, I think about other things that have happened in my life. A couple months after writing this song, I had a very strange experience where I was kind of assaulted at a bus stop mm. by a, a woman who looked like me. Um, it just got really out of hand. And uh, and so now I, I, that's like the physical confrontation that I think of when I hear that song. It's strange. Like I, I feel like I need to experience highs and lows in my life, even if it's just in, you know, in remembering them when I'm playing a song like that. It just, it makes me feel grateful for the times that I don't have stuff like that happening out of the blue. It's like, wow, things can be really frightening and unexpected. And uh, I'm really grateful that they are not like that right now. <laughs> well, totally. maybe not at this exact given moment <laughs> that we're dealing with COVID-19, but right, <laughs> you know right. what I mean. <laughs> totally. You're like a messenger of feelings or a messenger of energetic. Mm -hmm. And the more you can kind of like mirror it and remember it and then transmit it, it's funny to call that enjoyable, but I, I think I hear that that's kind of the enjoyment of in performing, not just the technicality of the song, but like really trying to uh, mm -hmm. create the energy and, and transmit that to people. Yeah. Channeling is, is the word that I always come back to. Channeling. It feels like you're creating an experience for people, but you're doing it in a safe place and in a safe way. And I think maybe that's where some of the enjoyment comes from is that we're able to use music to address things that are really uncomfortable and do it in a way that just feels, you know, relaxing and hopefully beautiful in some way. And I guess provides a bit of emotional intelligence in that way, too, that we're hearing songs about how to handle a difficult situation. And maybe you'll internalize some of that and maybe it might help you in the future, even just remembering the song like. You know, just listening to music in itself is relaxing, but if you can take something away, like a life lesson out of the lyrics too, then then I've definitely done my job. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, I'm I'm chuckling internally because I'm like, oh, you're a therapist like me. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like that's all I'm doing is helping people, you know, digest their emotions and know they can travel through them and right and and. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. That, at least that's how I. Thank you. That, that's how my brain 
make sense of of your process. <laughs> no, I love um, to hear that because you know I I never used to think about the impact of my songs on other people. I used to just you know think about me when I was writing them and what do I want to say. And it wasn't until I, like until I moved to Windsor and. Part of the reason why I came here was because of my husband, who at that time was just an acquaintance of mine, but he's a musician as well. And he's always been really into message songs and trying to take really complex political ideas and, and you know, distill them into something really simple and easy to understand and kind of using like the soft power of music to influence people. Very inspired by that. And anytime I get an opportunity to try and make something bigger than myself. I, I do try and give it a shot. So it's really cool to hear that, you know, from a therapist's point of view, that this is something that people do, you know, that this is just one of many different ways, I'm sure, that people are trying to reach one another and help each other. It's really cool. Yeah. In some ways, it was kind of the my thought process behind this show was just getting all the different ways light can show up. Just love seeing the landscape and the diversity of ways we are supporting each other and cultivating the goodness of of what life has to offer including digesting the bad mm-hmm. yeah you know switching gears a little bit i'm really curious to ask you it seems like you have transformed a little bit of breaking out of that maybe romanticized notion creativity only comes from suffering and writers are often alcoholics and you know musicians mm-hmm. i think sometimes there's a lot of drugs and Kurt Cobain probably is a good example of that being just. Yes, the entire, the 27 club of people who all, musicians who all died when they were 27 yeah, from yeah. drug overdoses. And, yeah, 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 exactly. And and maybe even particularly with your, your newest record that just came out, that you have opened up to the idea that creativity can still come from love and light and joy. And mm-hmm. am I correct in surmising that you've had that transformation yeah. and I'm curious if you could yes. you know talk about that I imagine a lot of musicians would love or a lot of creators and artists would love to yeah hear something that goes against that sort of historical yeah notion yeah I I, I do feel like there is this idea of you know once you are in like a stable relationship what are you going to write about now you know I, I feel like so many of our songs as budding songwriters are about relationships that aren't working out. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think maybe that does have some bearing in the way that my story turned out because it wasn't until I had been in a stable long-term relationship for about three or four years that I I did start to kind of struggle and and go back to this self-destructive, negative self-talk cycle that I had begun as a teenager when I was really fascinated with music, like emo music that was really so dark and poetic and so much so that it it got to the point where it just became the status quo. Songs were always self-deprecating or dark or twisted in some way, and I didn't even think about it. But once I was in my mid-20s and or more like early 20s, I guess, and had been with my husband for a couple of years. We just, you know, we're living together, boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing. I think I did sort of struggle with that, not really knowing what to write about because I was so used to writing about love that wasn't working out or I was using my songs as a tool to try and attract love. I think it was just a bit of a perfect storm that I started struggling with anxiety and depression and disordered eating like I had when I was a teenager and I was 
trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life when I turned 18. You know, was I going to stay in school or was I going to make music? Was I going to live with my parents or move to a city on my own and all that kind of tumultuousness? And I think in, in my early 20s, I was really struggling because I was trying to change the genre of music that I was making. Growing up, I had gone through a couple of different transformations, but I had settled on being folk singer-songwriter when I lived uh, in Halifax because that was very much the music that was popular out there. And then when I moved to Windsor in 2010, I discovered Motown. I don't even think I knew what Motown was really until I came to Windsor and found out, you know, that's just across the river in Detroit. I, I'm not sure if it's just because of that or because, you know, Detroit has such a rich musical history, but there are a lot of great vinyls that you can buy up at secondhand stores in the area. So we started building a record collection and I started listening to jazz and soul and blues and bossa nova and gospel and I realized that there are so many genres of music that I love, that I love more than anything I'd ever heard before, and that's the music I wanted to make. But making that transformation was really, really challenging. That was when I really started to have a lot of anxiety because I was like, am I really good enough to do this? It's a much more technically demanding style of singing, trying to do anything soulful. I, I felt like even the personal expectations of me were a lot higher, like I Felt like I had to wear makeup every time I went to a gig. When you're in the folk world, like it, oh, natural is very much the thing. So, you know, now I'm getting used to like wearing high heels at all of my shows and I'm like gluing on the fake eyelashes and I'm trying to do all these really challenging things with my voice. And at the same time, my husband was in a band that was doing super well and they were in that style of music as well, although they were a bit more like rock and funk, but really soulful and so world-class to me like it would blow my mind seeing them play live and I realized the stakes are so high or the bar is so high and I, I felt like I needed to be so great and I didn't feel like I was so on my last record there's a lot of that self-deprecation and I didn't like the lifestyle that I had like everybody smoked so much pot and it was not good for me <laughs> it made me so mm -hmm. anxious and so afraid to answer the phone I, I just felt like crippled by it, but it was all around me and, you know, everybody's playing nice shows in Toronto and wearing nice suits and kind of living like a really great lifestyle and, but like partying really hard and it just wasn't really like a healthy thing for me. And so I have a song on my record called Pretty Words and it's the most self-deprecating song about not being able mm. to take a compliment. And when someone says they love you, you feel like they're lying to you. So I was definitely really struggling with all of that back then. <sighs> I feel like I need to take a breath just thinking about it. I'm like, oh. Totally. I, I was going to say, I really appreciate you sharing such a personal, vulnerable story. And it seems you have grown from that or you have healed from that or you have transformed from that what's been on the other side for you it, it was a very slow strange transformation trying to figure out how to exercise so many demons at once and i it, it all came to a point where i i felt like i couldn't keep playing shows because i was so anxious that every time i had a performance didn't matter how big or small it was i'd be so nervous all day that i wouldn't be able to eat so by the time I would get to the show, I felt like I had like the flu or food poisoning or something. I, I felt so weak and exhausted. I'd have a headache. I wouldn't be able to stand. So I, I was like, I, I need to take some time off and not play shows for a while. Reevaluate whether or not this was something I was going to be able to keep doing. You know, I was thinking maybe I might have to 
find some other way to keep the roof over my head that's not destroying me. I did take time off from playing shows or I would just play very few shows, like kind of just what I needed to play to survive, like a lot of private gigs that were kind of like low stakes, low pressure, background music where no one's really paying attention. But I kept writing songs the whole time. And one of the songs that I wrote is called Hungry Love um, my, on my new record. And it's sort of like exploring the reasons why I used to make music to try and attract relationships and how they were ultimately unfulfilling. And one of the things that I learned in writing that song was just the fact that even when I'm down and out, I'm still writing songs. Like I can't stop writing songs. It's just a part of who I am. I don't know why I do these things I do. Never used to. I was just having myself a ball. Wasn't thinking with my head at all. But these days I don't need a thing. I got my soul in. You know, at the same time, started making some small changes. Like I stopped smoking weed. I started trying to cook meals for myself and just kind of have a better home life where I was, you know, making sure our home was clean, you know, just basic things. And it took some time. And I, I don't even know exactly when it all started to change, but I, I didn't even realize it until looking back on this album, you know, after I'd put it out and realizing so many of these songs are coming from a totally different attitude, like a completely different perspective on who I am. I, I feel like there's so much confidence and reassurance in these songs. Like I I exercised those demons and didn't even realize it until looking back. You know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on such an even keel now that my emotions are a lot more stable and I like myself. I used to feel guilty because I felt like I was doing things that were wrong, like now weed is becoming legal, but even, you know, seven, eight years ago, you felt so guilty being in public, being high, and I couldn't handle that. I felt like I liked doing it, but I felt like so many people would be ashamed if they knew that I was high all the time and like I couldn't get over it. So even just making that one little change made me feel like no more guilt. I'm fine to be me. I'm, I'm good. Like I don't have to deal with that lens, that filter in my life anymore. I just grew from that, I guess. So it's wild how many different things come into making that change. And I feel like it's really hard for musicians to get out of that because so many of us struggle with mental health issues in some form or other because, I don't know, partly because we have such stressful jobs and because our work is so unpredictable and our living is not assured. You know, there's no steady paycheck or anything. So it's a strange life. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. for everyone. Again, thank you for sharing your story and, yeah, your movement through it. And what are your new truths from this new place about music, yourself, enjoyment? What's the knowledge you have now? Maybe I wish I had back then. Yeah, exactly. You know, the age-old yeah. question. It's funny because I'm not even sure that I would want to change the way that things had gone or if there's anything I could have said to myself if anyone could have said to me that I would have listened. It's like there's no amount of compliments that will make me feel good about something if I personally don't like it. So I feel like I've always been really stubborn that way that even if I could tell myself something, I'm not, I don't think I would have listened. But mm -hmm. maybe it's funny because for me, it was something so simple as just like having a clean lifestyle and no smoking, no drinking, you know, eating better. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's yeah what's the advice of to yourself today it's uh, hmm. i don't even really think about it i guess as it, it just feels like a an attitude or a i feel like i'm a different person maybe i just i value things differently now my happiness i i see that i can't go on making things without joy in my life i can't focus on the dark because I, I guess if I could say something to myself, I would say that joy doesn't stop creativity, but like darkness does. I think eventually people might tune out if everything that you're saying is negative. It's hard to listen to negativity all the time. Sometimes you can get some catharsis out of listening to sad songs when you're sad, but eventually you need something else. And and I think people might start to tune out or you start to burn out because you can't keep dwelling in these dark spaces. And every time that you're called to perform and you play these songs again, you're inhabiting those dark spaces again. And it, it becomes really, really hard to escape them. So I feel like I, I can think of so many different musicians who have struggled with this. And, you know, some of them, they just end up quitting and saying, like, I just can't do this anymore. My hope is that taking time away from it will make them reevaluate what is important in their lives and find joy somewhere and, and heal from whatever it was that was giving them so much trouble and trauma. And then maybe they'll come back to making music again because I love these artists and I'm sad that they're not making music anymore. And I don't know. It's, I mean, I guess I can't stop making music at this point because it's just such a part of who I am. And even when I try and walk away from it, I, I can't like, I'm, it's the one thing that I know how to do so well. And even if I'm not doing it for other people, I'll, I'll always be doing it for me. So there is that. Beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing. And I mean, I loved how you said it, that like creativity needs light. And in fact, darkness can sort of be the killer of creativity, which is a very antithesis, I think, to the the romanticized notion mm -hmm. that creativity only comes out of the darkness. I feel like some really beautiful things can come out of darkness, but they're just, they're not, they're going to destroy someone, whether it's you or someone else. And I mean, those things can be really beautiful. They can still become really fantastic works of art. You can create a whole body of work that is amazing that people love. Think of someone like Elliot Smith, who I love Elliot Smith's albums. That's what I used to go to when I felt down. And I felt like he was sympathizing with me, but he had a very tragic end. And there are a lot of musicians out there like him. And it's hard. There's like a balance. Uh, there's like a line that you're walking where you have the power to make something that consoles people, but you can't, you have to console yourself too. Like you've got to be able to find some light in it. And I used to do that when I was writing a song. If it was about something that was a problem, I wouldn't be able to finish writing the song if I didn't figure out how to deal with the problem because otherwise it would just be unresolved. So I'd have that hold up sometimes where I'd get, you know, through a song and I get to a point where I feel like I'm really exposing the raw nerve of an issue, but I haven't figured out how to heal it. And so I can't write the song until I get there. Sort of thing. I think you touch on something really important, right? It, through all of our experiences, and I know it's easy to talk about some as positive and some as negative and some as easy and some as hard. The one of the best experiences and I experience this as a therapist is when we have someone to sit there with us you know and I mm -hmm. think you're right that like music plays a role in that oh I'm feeling really depressed and I can listen to music and if you know now someone's with me right I think isolation is like one of the worst feelings for Absolutely. for humans and yet as a creator of that 
it sounds really important and and feels valuable hearing you talk about the creators of that really have to still make sure they're finding light mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way you know yeah. the the just traveling again and again into the darkness is definitely going to and again we can name lots of artists who have lost themselves probably too much to just going back continuing to the darkness without finding their their light Mm -hmm. you've painted this amazing story and and again thank you for sharing it what are you proud of i feel like there's a lot of things really like uh i I feel like i'm very proud of my body of work that you know i've got a couple of albums out each one of those such a intense period of your life trying to take songs that you've written and and do them justice and put them out into the world and i i feel like there is a body of work that will survive me. And I I think that that is probably the thing that I'm the most proud of about the path that I've taken. But there are also things that that every person wants, like a house and a family. And I feel so proud that I was able to buy my own house as a musician. You know, that's hard to convince (laughs) the bank that you're, you know, a reliable prospect (laughs) when you work in the music industry. But we managed to do it. And to juggle having a family too. I always knew that I wanted to have a family and I feel so lucky that I was able to choose when I wanted to start a family and to wait until it was the right time to do that. And I I feel happy too that I've been able to use the things that I know to help other musicians. My husband and I started a little music co-op that's basically just a little small record label, but it's really grassroots and has like no funding. We don't take any ownership of anyone's work. We just use like the marketing expertise that we have and try and help some artists who are about 10 years younger than us. So they're just kind of starting out into their careers. And I I like having the opportunity to have people ask me for help and to be able to provide it. Like, I love that. I hope that people will say nice things about me one day if I'm not around. So I, I, I try and, and do everything I can, you know, answer every question that's asked of me. And another thing that I'm really proud of that I do, but I do this, these custom love songs. Mm-hmm. So I get people to tell me about their love story or, you know, any love in their life it doesn't have to be romantic. It can be from a parent to a child or, you know, children to parents or friends, you know, anyone, any kind of relationship, any kind of occasion. And and being able to take someone's true love story and turn it into a song is such a fun puzzle for me. And it's so rewarding knowing that I was able to help someone create a song because, you know, I've, I've written so many songs. I feel like I've worked out a lot of the kinks and how to write one. And I know there are a lot of people out there who wish that they could write a song. So I feel like I'm just sort of that helping hand to take their words and turn them into something I, I think that that's probably one of the aspects of my work that brings me the most joy, just knowing that I'm writing these songs for specific people, not for everyone, but for specific people to tell their story and to become a part of their story. And I, I hope that it's a song that, you know, that they want to hear on their birthday in 10 years and dance to on their when they renew their wedding vows. Or I, I hope that they'll be able to carry them with them in their in the rest of their lives. Being able to do that, I just, I feel so happy and so proud that that's something that I can do. And it's something a lot of people can do. So I I, I try and counsel other songwriters who are looking for, um, you know, like another source of income, like consider doing this because it's so rewarding and it's such a fun challenge. Like it's like my version of a crossword, taking someone's story 
and turning it into a song without, you know, putting words in their mouth or using cliches or anything. It's, yeah, it's a challenge, but it's really fun. You know, it really sounds like, and, and tell me if this feels true, but now getting a chance to to sit with you and get more of your story and, and meet you, you're an embodiment of, how do I want to sort of say this, but you know, you're an embodiment of, I, of of seeking your joy and finding it and and I hear finding it through diversification and creation and purpose and meaning. Mm-hmm. So many different places, yeah. And how beautiful to be a symbol to us all about going through some hard times to ride through that and now have that in your pocket and also have the ground you've found and the life you have found and be able to transmit that to people and particularly through music and art, which is quite beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I feel very lucky. <laughs> How are you at taking compliments? Is it uh, <laughs> still a hard thing for you to take? <laughs> no, I'm getting better at it. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to respect your time, so we'll we'll kind of round the bend. Do you want to say a uh, joyful story from motherhood? Mm. <laughs> Since well, around we started with you talking about writing a song for your daughter. What's what is the joy of motherhood you have begun to taste? Well, she is. Uh, I would say she's almost twenty-two months old. I'm telling everyone that she's two years old, and she is just getting into music and singing. I mean, she's been around music her entire life, naturally. We have music instruments around all the time and we're always listening to music. And now she's actually starting to sing along with songs. And uh, the cutest thing is that she's been singing along to my album, which is so funny because it's like not kids music at all, but I find it so adorable that, you know, she always catches like the last word of a phrase. And every night we always sing her just like a song from the wiggles called rockabye your bear and tonight she was really singing along so well and exciting raising a child around so much music i feel like her language has really blossomed using lyrics as sort of like milestones or there's something about it that it it like gives her something to hold on to to follow the rhythm of a song and you know hear a sound and say that word and it's such a strange joy raising a child in this unpredictable life and this really crazy lifestyle. And I feel really lucky that I get to be with her all day long. You know, a lot of parents, they've got to work nine to five. They're out of the home all day and kids are going to daycare or they're staying at home with the other parent. And so my husband and I are home all day with her. And it just feels like such a blessing and such a light in our lives because so many other things that bring us joy, they take so much effort, like putting out an album. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, so much work goes into something like that. Or even just putting on a show that, you know, you feel really great coming off stage, but there's so much work that goes into it and so many mixed feelings sometimes as it's happening. But I feel like the easiest joy in the world is just looking at her because it takes no work. She just exists and is wonderful and is the light of our lives. And I feel like she's just a fountain of inspiration. I, I hope I get totally. to write a lot of songs about her. Well, I uh, look forward to hearing many of those songs. And thank you so much for yeah sharing your insights and answering my questions and exploring enjoyment and joy and music um, with me. I really, really appreciate it. 
people who want to learn more about you, you know, where can they go? Yeah. Yeah. They can go to my website, chrissycochran.com. It's C-R-I-S-S-I-C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E. And I'm all over Spotify and iTunes and I've got some music videos up on YouTube. Yeah. All that good stuff. And the newest album is Heirloom, correct? And it is out now. Beautiful. Yep. That's the one. Well, thank you so much. Um, And yeah. It's it's been a delight. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I honestly, I feel so like invigorated by our conversation. I feel like this was therapy for me. So thank you. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much, Chrissy, for sharing yourself with us today. All the music you hear throughout the episode is Chrissy Cochran's. If you're curious about her sound, check her out. If you're digging this show, please share it with your friends and family. Hype us up on social media, and we appreciate any support you offer us there. And you can check out, I have another podcast called Healers on Healing that talks about health and wellness through similar type interviews. So anyways, hope to see you again, and a new episode will be out soon. We'll have Chrissy Cochran take us out. Was it?